Thank you, choir, praise team, praise man, and Rick. I want y'all to know y'all bless our hearts every week. My father is a right. My father's a retired pastor, lives outside of Birmingham, and we talk at least once a week. Our routine is I call him on Sunday afternoon, and he often brags on Rick in our conversations because he watches this service on Facebook. But uh, we appreciate your ministry, Rick, and all of our musicians and singers. We have a guest group from Pinson, Alabama, right outside of Enterprise, if you know where Enterprise, Alabama is. But they are in New Orleans this week as a high school group, high school group uh, here doing missions with Kimberly Myers. So I failed to mention that in our welcome. But uh, we're glad that you're here. We appreciate your ministry to our, our city as we appreciate all of our uh, mission groups that come to New Orleans. And we do have two birthdays this morning. I've got to say this, Alicia Freeland and Rex Butler. I debated whether to say anything or not because this is Alicia Freeland's and Rex Butler's birthday and as well as my own, but we appreciate them. So. I hope everyone is enjoying the sermon series Fired Up as much as I am, as we go through the book of Acts this summer. Taylor began our series a couple of weeks ago and reminded us that like the apostles, we have kingdom work to do. And we must stay busy and obedient to God's will because this is God's church. And last week, Trey preached about the filling of the Holy Spirit and that with the Holy Spirit, we stand out and seen as weird. You know, I've always thought I was weird, and Trey just confirmed it last week. <laughs> but at least I'm not a weirdo. In Acts 2.13, the new believers were misunderstood and accused of being drunk. But Peter defended the believers and said, In the last days, God will pour out his Spirit on all people. And at the end of Peter's message, Luke recorded in verse 37 of chapter 2, And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to him, to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Our text records how these new believers were changed by the Holy Spirit and how they loved each other. One commentator described this time as the age of innocence for the early church before persecution and early church issues began. As you know, in chapter 4, Peter and John were arrested for teaching Jesus in the resurrection. Uh, and then in Acts chapter 6, the believers were increased and a conflict began because the Hellenistic widows were overlooked within the fellowship. 
Then in Acts 7, we read that Peter was taken to the Sanhedrin and he was stoned and he is recorded as, as the first church martyr recorded in Scripture. But our text is before all this began. We see the body of Christ caring for and loving each other in a wonderful way before the world affected them. Let's look at our text this morning. Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as they had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I first want us to see the priorities of the believers. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. The word devoted is a word picture of pursuing in or continuing steadfastly. The new believers were greatly committed. And why were they committed? They were committed because their lives were changed after responding to Peter's call to repentance. They heard the gospel message and they repented of of their sins and received God's forgiveness and it changed their lives and their priorities. You know, these are good priorities for us today. Bible study, fellowship, worship, and prayer. The apostles taught what they had learned from Jesus. They passed along the same instructions to the new Christians. The apostles' teaching were the new believers' foundation. They didn't have scripture like we do, which is our foundation and authority. But the new believers depended on the apostles' teaching. Can you imagine being taught by someone who had been with Jesus face to face? We don't know the the apostles' who did the teaching, it's not in our text. But I would imagine it would have to be Peter, James, John, maybe Andrew. And what do you think they taught the new believers? Well, they they taught about the resurrection. They taught about the Old Testament scripture. And then they taught the lessons they had learned from Jesus. Their own experiences. I would imagine that Peter was among this group that did the teaching. Can you imagine Peter getting up in front of those new believers, sharing his Jesus stories? What do you think Peter said? You think he talked about that, the resurrection, and has Jesus prepared that breakfast after the resurrection? Do you think he got excited? when he shared the stories of the feeding of the 5,000, of how Jesus took the the loaves and the fishes and he just divided it among 
that great multitude of people. Can you think about all the stories Peter could share with those new believers? I just wonder if Peter's favorite story that he liked to tell was the day that he came to know Jesus, that his life, his priorities changed. You know, I think Peter's story could probably go something like this. I was a fisherman, and I loved to fish. Fishing was my life. And some of the greatest days I had was catching fish. And like most fishermen, I was very discouraged when I didn't catch fish. But I remember one day on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, I was mending my nets. I was cleaning my nets. Hadn't caught any fish all night. And I was over my nets working, pulling out the vegetation and the debris that I collected from a night of fishing. And I heard from the distance along the shore this man talking in the crowd following him. Didn't know, I really wasn't paying any attention, but I was just working on my nets. And then I noticed he was getting closer and closer. And then all of a sudden I looked up and the man was behind me with this large crowd. And he was teaching the multitude. He was teaching this large crowd and he wanted me to take him on my boat and float out in the water. I was busy. I really didn't want to do that. But out of the respect of the teacher, we got in my boat. And we cast out a few yards in the water. I waited patiently until he finished teaching the crowd. And then he asked me to sail out a little bit further in the water and to cast my net out that was still on my boat. And I said, teacher, my partners and I have fished all night long and we've caught nothing. But out of the respect of this teacher, I threw my net out. And to my amazement, the net was full of fish. I could not believe it. And then I realized that I was not just with any person. I realized how, that I was with someone very special. And I had to call my partners, James and John, to help me because my boat began to sink. And then all of a sudden, I felt conviction. I realized who I was with. And I, and I said, teacher... Leave because I am a sinful man. I can hear Peter, Peter's words say, I have, I'll never forget Jesus' words when he said, Fear not, because today I will make you fishers of men. I couldn't believe it. That was the day my life was changed and my priorities were changed. And as soon as I got back to the shore, we followed Jesus as well as my brother Andrew and partners James and John. Second priority of the new believers was fellowship. Fellowship meaning part partnership or sharing. 
They wanted to be together, spending time together as a church family. They gathered, their gathering was different than any other activity they attended. Just like this Sunday morning gathering should be different than any other gathering we attend during the week. The third priority of the new believers was breaking of the bread. This was a meal that probably transitioned into the Lord's Supper and then probably in a time of worship. How could new believers be together and not spending time worshiping the Savior? The fourth priority of the new believers was prayer. Prayer is so important. I visited a family in the hospital earlier this week. And I was so blessed during this time, hard time with this family. They rehearsed all the answered prayers they had for the Lord. How, and they talked about the faithfulness of God. Prayer is so important. I have been blessed this morning by many of you stopping and, and praying with me uh, before this service. And prayer is certainly a priority. Bible study, fellowship, worship, prayer should be our main priorities because our lives have been changed by Jesus. Are you involved in a small group and join Christian fellowship? Do you have an accountability partner or someone that you pray with consistently? How is your prayer life? If any of these four priorities are out of balance in your life, you will not grow spiritually. I have heard a lot of people say that they do not have to attend church on Sunday morning to worship and pray for God. That's irritating to me. And during those conversations, I, I really would like to, to stop them and say, well, do you? When you're out on the lake or on the golf course or you have other priorities on Sunday morning, do you really take the time to worship and pray? And I'm not talking about uh, people that uh, work on Sunday. I'm not talking about the people uh, who are on vacation. This is a time of year where our attendance does drop some because of people traveling. And I'm not talking about people who are unable to attend because of illness or other reason. Because, uh, and, and they watch this service on Facebook. We're very thankful that this church made an investment in technology where people can watch this service on Facebook each week. And Nathan McQuarrie does a wonderful job of managing that uh, ministry. But what I'm talking about is individuals who claim that regular church attendance is not important and it's not a priority. They are able to join us on, on Sunday morning, attend Bible study, fellowship, and pray, but they choose to be somewhere else. Believers receive a special blessing from being here with our church family on Sunday morning. I mean, do you believe your attendance is important this morning? I believe you do. That's why you're here. Being here together is an experience like you will not experience any other way. You just have to be here. And your presence is important. Last Monday evening, our church hosted a meal and a program in our fellowship hall for the 
It was the opening evening for the annual Port Chaplain's National Convention. Philip Vandercook and Global Maritime hosted this annual convention this year. And I had the privilege of welcoming the group and offering thanks for the food. Dr. Chuck Kelly was there and he preached the message. And the Zion harmonizers uh, sang. We had uh, individuals there from Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, Maryland, and Minnesota. And I want to tell you, it was a wonderful service. Dr. Kelly preached a wonderful and encouraging message. And the Zion Harmonizers, I have never heard of them before, but they're an older African-American group, and they blessed my heart. I remember when they finished uh, singing, I went up to one of the members, and I said, are you on iTunes? And he kind of looked at me with a puzzled face. He goes, no, but we got CDs right on the table. (laughs) And I went to the table and bought a CD. And then I realized I don't even have a CD player. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I can stand here and, and describe that special service. But, you know, if you weren't there, you couldn't experience it. Football season is a special time, you know, here in New Orleans. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And part of being in this church is is going to the game, and I enjoy seeing people wear their Saints jerseys and paraphernalia, because you can pick out who's going to the game after the worship service. And you know there's nothing like being in the dome during a Saints game, especially when they're winning. You know, some of us, we do watch the game on TV. But as you know, there is nothing like being in the, in the dome for the Saints game. We should have the same enthusiasm meeting together as the body of Christ. We should have the same, we should be passionate to live a life of holiness and purity to live a life of sanctification that glorifies Christ as we serve and worship our Lord together. We see the priorities of the believers in verse 42. We see the proof of the leaders in verse 43. It says, Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The miracles and signs pointed to the divine truth and proved the apostles' authority. These are the same words that Peter used to describe Jesus in Acts 2.22 when he said, Follow fellow Israelites. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man credited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. The miracles were evidence of the presence of God with the apostles and his people. Now I know what some of you are thinking. You are thinking that if our ministerial staff 
could do signs and wonders each week that this building would be full. I want to ask you something. Have you ever been accused of performing a miracle? Well, I have. And it was uncomfortable. Many years ago, when I served in the church in Montgomery, our, my dear friend Joyce had throat cancer. And it was a terrible disease. She was in and out of a hospital in Memphis. And one morning I went to visit her in the hospital. And just talking about the treatment and what's going on. And, and she mentioned that she had this splitting headache. And that's understandable because she was having radiation and, and um, it was just, she was just having a bad time. Well, after a, a short visit, I prayed for Joyce, for God's healing, and specifically mentioned her headache, of removing her headache. I left, and then later the afternoon, she, gave, she called me. She said, Bob, you've got the gift of healing. I said, what happened? My headache is gone. I said, well, that's good. I'm glad your headache is gone. Well, I thought she was probably just trying to encourage me. But she started calling other church members in the church and telling people I had the gift of healing because her headache was gone. And then they started calling me. And so it was, it was very uncomfortable. And I wanted to go back and say, Joyce, if I truly had the gift of healing, it wouldn't just be for your headache. <laughs> but do you believe that God is still performing signs and wonders today? Do you believe he's still performing miracles today? Of course he is. God can do anything he wants to through us. But I think what, I, what the greatest sign and wonder is not what we see on TV. It's not what we hear about what ha happens in other churches, but, but how we demonstrate God's love and presence in our life. It is not necessarily what we do during this worship service, but what we do during our daily spirit-filled lives producing the fruits of the Spirit, producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. My prayer for us this morning is that people will be amazed by the way we live our lives and see Jesus. They will see the way we respond in love to a negative comment at work, people will see our patience and peace and self-control in difficult and stressful situations, our kindness to strangers, our hope during times of danger and uncertainty, and even our patience with other drivers on the streets of New Orleans. That really would be a sign and wonder. We have opportunities every day to prove to a lost and dying world that we have moved from darkness to light, that we were once blind and now we can see that we are a new creation in Christ. Our Christ-like behavior is our proof of a risen Savior and that we will be filled 
and are controlled by the Holy Spirit. What greater sign and wonder can we show people? We saw the priorities of the believers in verse 42 and then the proof of the leaders in verse 43. But I want us to see the purpose of the body in verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The believers had everything in common. This is not socialism or communism. This just simply refers to the harmony and love for one another. They sacrificed for each other. They sold property and possessions to meet a need. Their help was not divided evenly and distributed, but was given to meet the specific needs in the group. They were changed from a life of selfishness to compassion and sharing. Someone said a real Christian could not bear to have too much when others have too little. Do you share easily? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. The new believers spent time together daily. They continued meeting in the temple courts to hear the law. It's a place of worship and prayer. It was also a place for evangelism. Do you think that the unbelieving Jews saw these new believers and saw a difference? I believe they did. The temple was a place of evangelism and the home was a place for fellowship. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with a glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As I mentioned earlier, a commentator recorded that this was the age of innocence for the early church. Did you experience a period of innocence after you were, your life was changed by Christ? Was there a time when you knew that your life had changed and all you did was praise God, your heart was filled with love, and you knew nothing was going to be the same? You had this new hope. You knew that you would never be hurt or disappointed again by anyone, especially by another believer. Then something happened. Someone made a hurtful comment. A friend did not spend as much time with you as you needed. And then some goofy church leader made a decision you didn't agree with. And your time of innocence as a new believer is gone. I'm not, I am in no way saying that we are a divided church family. And I believe that we are blessed. And this is a special congregation. God has given us so much. My prayer has been as I have prepared this message for this morning. That we'll have the right priorities. Bible study. Christian worship. Worshiping together. And praying for each other.
and for God's direction. That we will continue to serve Christ together and maintain our unity and strong commitment to Jesus and to each other. Some of you know that we have a motorcycle group in this church called Faith Riders. Several of us ride together. In fact, we, we rode yesterday to the North Shore. Kirk Borderline, Guy Williams, Glenn and Ann Delery, Rocky Thomas rode, ride uh, on a consistent basis. We try to ride every month. Adam and Stephanie Bird rode with us before they moved to uh, Washington State. I really enjoy riding motorcycles. Regardless of what kind of day I have, I can get on my bike and in about 30 minutes, all my troubles are gone. I would say it's the most, well, almost one of the most relaxing activities that I can do. Mike Flores and I have traveled across our country many times on motorcycle trips. I have seen some beautiful areas across our nation. I have, I have ridden through the apple orchards of Washington State, ridden the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, ridden through the Badlands and Black Hills in South Dakota, the rolling hills of Wyoming, gone through the red canyons of New Mexico. I've experienced the ice and snow in Montana and, and Idaho, ridden through strong winds of Kansas and Oklahoma. I've ridden through the blistering heat across the great state of Texas. I have been blessed with how many different areas in our country I have seen and ridden through. But you know what people are most interested in in my, my motorcycle trips? Do you know what the most common question I'm asked about riding motorcycles? Does Janice ride with you? And you know what my answer is? Not yet. <laughs> I have had a lot of conversations about motorcycles. And some of you have no interest, no desire to ride a motorcycle. I don't understand that. But you have no interest. But then I talk to some people who seem interested. They, they see the adventure. And we talk about that, but, and they want to ride, but they just, haven't been, they just haven't made the commitment. For those people, I believe that there is a fine line between the thrill of the ride and their fear of an accident. 
Brothers and sisters, I believe that there may be someone here this morning who is struggling spiritually. And there is a fine line between your commitment to Christ and living for self. You know your priorities need to change. You know you need to study your Bible more. You know you need to surround yourself with Christian friends. You know you need to come here on Sunday morning and ready for worship. And you know you need to spend more time in prayer. Your age of innocence has passed. And you're holding on to some unforgiveness or some hurt. And you have prayed David's words in Psalm 51. Lord, give me the joy of my salvation. And you know you need to walk closer to Christ. I want to ask you this morning to recommit your life to Christ and to live for Him. There is someone here this morning who has never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Your life has not been changed and you have not received the saving grace and forgiveness that He can give us. And like the early believers, your heart was pierced. But you've done nothing. I hope you're asking this morning, what shall I do? And the answer is to say yes to Jesus. Just like Paul told the Corinthian church, today is the day of salvation. If you have not trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, do it now. Today is the day of salvation. We're going to pray in just a moment. And I want you to pray and ask God what he would have you to do with your life. If you need to recommit your life to Jesus, if you need to change your priorities, would you pray for that? And if there's been a time where you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Today is the day that you can do this. We're going to have some prayer counselors, ministers here up front. And I'm going to ask you to respond as we have the invitation. Let's pray. God, our Father, we do praise you today for being a God that changes our lives. Lord, I thank you for saving us I thank you for your son, Jesus, that came and gave his life, was our substitute for our sin. God, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that needs to make a decision about giving their life to you, I pray that they will be obedient and do that. Lord, I pray that those of us who are here this morning, if, if we're not walking as close to you as we should, that our priorities are not the same, that our priorities do not glorify you, that you will just convict us. Lord, that you'll help us to walk closer. 
and to glorify you that people will see Jesus in us in our lives. Lord, we are so grateful for our church family. Lord, we're so grateful how you are using us throughout this city and throughout our world. And I pray that you continue to be with us as we serve you. Oh God, speak to our hearts. Forgive us of any sin in our life that we can live a life of purity and holiness. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.